We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. No Chris Biederman today. He is out on assignment, so it's just me flying solo, at least for now. I'll be joined by a very special guest, former 49ers defensive lineman, Demontre Moore. He was an All-American, a first-team All-SEC defensive end at Texas A&M. He was a third-round pick of the Giants in the 2013 draft. Nine-year NFL vet, Giants, Dolphins, Seahawks, Cowboys, Raiders, and of course the 49ers. He's also a Grey Cup champion in the Canadian Football League, where he will be spending this season with the Calgary Stampeders. He is on social media on Instagram at demonster98. He's also on Twitter at tmore94. Make sure to uh, check him out there. He is a super, super fun interview. I had genuinely such a good time chatting with him. He was very generous with his time and very clearly loves to talk football. And and I hope that 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 comes through in our conversation. Before we get to that, though, I need to tell you about our friends at Lamb Chops. SGLambchops.com is the website. It is high-quality clothing. It is stylish clothing. It is comfortable clothing. They have loud pieces that are going to make a statement. They have more toned-down pieces that... Yeah, maybe not going to make a statement, but they're still comfortable and they're still quality. And I'm telling you, I know I talk about the hoodie every time, but it's hoodie season all the way. And having a couple lamb chops hoodies in my closet means I'm going out, I'm warm, I'm cozy, and I look dope. And everybody knows that's the most important thing. Get yours today at sglambchops.com. Follow them on Instagram at sglambchops. And while you're at sglambchops.com, Use promo code CANDLESTICK20 and get 20% off your order. Whether you're getting sweatpants, shorts, hoodie, t-shirt, I think they got a passport holder. Whatever you go, whatever whatever they got, get 20% off with CANDLESTICK20 as the promo code. Head to, S, head to easy for me to say, head to sglambchops.com today and join the herd. We are also sponsored by Cooperage Brewing. We love Cooperage. It is your favorite brewery's favorite brewery. They have Candlestick Chronicles Hazy IPA, of course, named right after this podcast. It is a sick-ass can with the... It's gold with the red and white 49ers helmet stripe on it. It has a really cool drawing of Candlestick Park on it. It has a... What looks like a football and laces 
on it. And of course, that Candlestick Chronicles word mark is just, I mean, the the cherry on top of what is an incredible Sunday. And then he and then and then he crack it open. It's a delicious beer. I'm not a hazy IPA guy. I was really concerned at first that I was gonna have to try and hawk a beer that I don't like, but I cracked one open and I'm t- I I I really love it. It is my favorite hazy IPA, and it's not just because our names are on it. So go get your case today at cooperagebrewing.com. You have to be 21 or over and in the state of California. But if you order a case, they will ship it directly to your front door. You just got to sign for it. Then you got 24 beers at your house. It's the single greatest way to order beer. You can get a variety pack. Maybe you like a Pilsner. Maybe you like a Pale Ale. Maybe you like an oatmeal stout. Maybe you like a seltzer. Whatever you want, they got it for you at cooperagebrewing.com. So go ahead and order your case. Get it shipped to your front door and experience the joy of acquiring some great beer without leaving your house. We love Cooper. Before we get to our conversation with Demontre Moore, though, I gotta make some prize picks for Wildcard Weekend. Let's dive in. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. All right, y'all, no 49ers this weekend. That's right. You get to kick back and watch playoff football with no no stress, no worries. You get a couple games Saturday, you get three games Sunday, and then for some reason there's a game on Monday. I don't know. I hate the Monday game. Maybe you love it. And if you do, I'm not going to judge. Shout out to you. I personally, I have the day off on Monday, so that'll be a cool way to like cap the day. It'll kind of be like a Sunday night game. But I don't like give me three games on Saturday, give me three games on Sunday, and let's rock, dude. Like that's easy. That's that's a full weekend of football. But now it's you got a, the weird on the West Coast. You got the weird one thirty start Saturday. So you kind of got you kind of got your morning, but then you're you're in all afternoon watching watching games, and then you get your three games on Sunday, which is great. That's perfect. That's prime. And then nah, you got this random Monday game with the with the Buccaneers and Eagles. The 49ers, of course, will be keeping a close eye on that. If the number seven seed Packers upset the Cowboys, which is on the table because Mike McCarthy stinks. The 49ers will host the Packers at Levi Stadium. If the Rams win and the Packers lose, the 49ers will play the Rams. The Rams are in Detroit to take on the Lions. If Matthew Stafford upsets his former team and the Cowboys beat the Packers, the 49ers will then host the Rams at Levi Stadium. If the Cowboys and Lions both win, the 49ers will then await the winner of Monday Night Football, and they will either play the Buccaneers or the Eagles, depending on who wins that 4-5 matchup in the NFC. So that's where things stand for the 49ers. Pretty straightforward, pretty easy, and I hope everybody enjoys their weekend of, of football. I know I will because of, well, A, I just I love the sport, and I love sitting there watching playoff games, and there's some fascinating matchups this weekend, but I know I'll love it because of prize picks. I've, I've told you... Throughout the year, like getting to do prize picks is is awesome. It's some it's one of those things that like, yeah, they're a sponsor of the pod, but I would do it anyways because because I love doing daily fantasy like this. I, I've always been scared off of daily fantasy because it's like you're playing against sharp guys and you're playing against like uh, thousands of other people. And it's just it's it, it seems like a mess. But prize picks is super easy. You pick two to six players. You pick more or less on their stat projections. 
and then you watch the winnings roll in. It's honestly, it's it could not be easier. So here are my picks for this week. I'm going with Joe Flacco, Cleveland Browns quarterback against the Houston Texans in Houston. I'm taking Joe Flacco less than 272 and a half passing yards. I think D'Amico Ryans is going to have Joe Flacco in a straight jacket and making Joe Flacco look a little bit more like the quarterback who was out of the league and not the one that has thrown for 300 yards in every game he's played since signing with the Browns a few weeks ago. Joe Flacco has been awesome. It's been a super fun story. He might wind up winning comeback player of the year, apparently, but I, I don't love that 272 and a half projection for him. So I'm going to go less on that number and I'm going to trust our guy D'Amico Ryans to to shut down that Browns offense in ways that they have not been shut down since since Flacco took over. Speaking of quarterbacks, let's head to that Lions Rams game. I'm going to go with Matthew Stafford. His his number is 275 and a half passing yards. I'm going to go more on that. I think that that is going to be a very high scoring game. I don't trust the Lions defense at all, particularly against a Sean McVay team with Matthew Stafford playing very, very well. I think Matthew Stafford is going to light those dudes up. And maybe the Lions light up the Rams and we get a we get a game where, you know, the 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 total clears 60 points. And that'd be awesome. That'd be a super fun way to to close out Sunday's games. That's a Sunday night game. But I think Matthew Stafford is going to throw for a ton of yards. You're going to have Cooper Cut back. It's going to be Puka Nakua back. Kyron Williams is going to be playing. I, I just I think Matthew Stafford is is going to have a monster game in Detroit as he tries to uh, upset his old team. Patrick Mahomes against the Dolphins. This is Saturday night. Two hundred and forty nine and a half passing yards is the projection for him. I'm going less, and that's not recency bias of Patrick Mahomes. And he struggled this year and this and that. No, no, no. The last weather projection I saw was that the wind chill was going to be minus 30 in Kansas City. And I just don't think we're going to get... like The, the Chiefs can't pass anyway. And now Patrick Mahomes is to go out there and, and do Patrick Mahomesy thing in, in minus 30 degree weather, throwing to uh, Kadarius Tony and Justin Watson and Travis Kelsey and... I, I don't, I don't, I don't buy that. I'm sorry. Maybe that's, I'm, and this is not disrespectful to Patrick Mahomes. It's not. If the weather was, if the weather was going to be normal, I would not have included him in my entry. But that weather is going to play a big role, not only in, in my, my pick of Patrick Mahomes to go less than 249 and a half passing yards. It's going to play a role and it's going to be a factor in, in a couple of these other picks as well. So that's where I'm at with Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to go less than 249 and a half passing yards. Tua Tungavailoa, Dolphins quarterback. <laughs> His rushing yards total is five and a half. The Chiefs defense is very good. And I don't think that Tua is going to be moving great in the negative 30 degree weather. Steve Spagnolo is going to have a great plan for him. And I think it is going to. Uh, I, I think I think Tua might have a little bit of a rough day. So maybe Mike McDaniel's got something drawn up. I think what what we're actually going to see is a ton of run game from McDaniel with Devon Achan and with Raheem Mostert. I think you're going to see them try and pound the heck out of the rock 
in that weather, maybe try and negate some of the stuff that Steve Spagnuolo wants to do with his blitzes and, and with, with the Chiefs pass rush. But I don't think that run game involves Tua Tungavailoa running for a ton of yards. So I'm going to go less than five and a half rushing yards for Tua. Watch him go for like six on the opening play. Just QB draw, just off the bat. That's how it would go with uh, with with prize picks for me. I've I've had a I've had a tough time this year, uh, staying in that game because again, anytime I can I can try and get an edge with my entry via the weather, I'm gonna take full advantage. Tyree Kill's projection is 86 and a half receiving yards. Now I know Tyree Kill can clear that in one reception <laughs> and he doesn't even need a deep shot to do it it could be a screen it could be a, a slant uh, it, two receptions for him could very easily go over that i am wary of tua and the dolphins offense lighting it up against kansas city though and maybe tyree kill has a huge game because he's facing his former team in this and that but that weather i'm telling you the minus 30 in the wind chill I don't think we're going to see a, a pass heavy game. I just, I, I don't, I'm going to go less on the receiving yards for Tyreek Hill. And if he goes more, nah, you know what? Then it's probably blowing up a lot of, a lot of what else I'm trying to do here in taking advantage of the weather. So I'm, I'm sticking to my guns on that one. I'm going to go less than 86 and a half receiving yards for Tyreek Hill. And then the Sunday afternoon game is Green Bay at Dallas. Jaden Reed, the rookie receiver for, for Green Bay has really come on in the second half of the season. And I don't think it's a coincidence that you see Jordan Love starting to play very, very well. He was really good in Week 18. I don't think it's a coincidence that you start seeing him play really, really well right at the time that all of his very young receivers, Luke Musgrave, Dontavian Wicks, Jaden Reed, all start to kind of figure it out in the NFL. That said, Green Bay's defense stinks. I believe that the Cowboys are going to score a ton of points. I think the Packers are going to have to throw to stay in it. I think Matt LaFleur is an awesome coach. I think he's going to have a really good plan against Dan Quinn and a very good Cowboys defense. Whether that means we see an upset of Dallas in Dallas at Jerry World, I'm, I'm not. I, I, I don't know. It wouldn't shock me because as we noted up top, Mike McCarthy, say it with me. Stank, stank. Very good, everybody. So I'm going to go Jaden Reed more than 49 and a half receiving yards. I kind of think that this is going to be the Jaden Reed coming out party. People who follow the NFL closely know who he is. He's had a really nice year. But I think this is going to be the Jaden Reed national stage. Wow, how come the Packers could never get a receiver like this with Aaron Rodgers? And wow, maybe if they had Jaden Reed when Aaron Rodgers was there, he'd still be there. Blah, 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 blah. I, I, that's what I imagine the conversation is going to be because I think Jaden Reed is going to have a huge game in Dallas. If for no other reason, then the Packers are going to have to throw the heck out of the ball to, to stay in that game. So Jaden Reed more than 49 and a half receiving yards. And that is how we're going to wrap up prize picks. If you would like to participate, and this is a great time to do it. They have basketball. They got, they got baseball. They got hockey in here. I'm going through the, their college basketball. Of course, you're going to want to jump in in time for March Madness. They got soccer. They got NBA first half and second half. There's golf, NBA first quarter. MMA, it is crazy how many options that they have here to create an entry. I I really, really highly recommend uh, joining us. And you can do that with prizepicks.com slash candlestick. Use promo code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. That is prizepicks.com slash candlestick. Use promo code candlestick for a first deposit match up to 100 
hundred dollars. I'm telling you, it's a great time. Can't wait. Can't wait to revisit because I think I'm going to get it right. I feel really good about my uh, my entry this week. Okay, it's time. Demontre Moore, the legend, the former 49ers defensive lineman, spent nine years in the NFL with the Giants, Dolphins, Seahawks, Cowboys, Raiders, and 49ers. He is on Instagram at demonster98. He is on Twitter at tmore94. This was maybe the most fun I've had doing an interview on this podcast. He is so much fun to talk to. We covered it with, I, I had to ask about Pete Carroll, guys. I'm sorry. But we, we covered Pete Carroll. We covered Kyle Shanahan and Chris Kasurik and why they make such great coaches. Some of his teammates. We got a, a hilarious story. I, I'm a fantastic story about Demontre Moore going up against Trent Williams in his rookie year and trying to talk trash with Trent Williams. It is really, really entertaining. I think you're going to love it. Let's get to Demontre. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yo, it's your homies Kyle and Chris for Lamb Chops. SGLambChops.com is the website. They are the official clothing brand of Candlestick Chronicle. And follow them on Instagram at SG Lamb Chops because they have some really cool looking stuff that your bland ass boy over here is not very good at styling on his own. And so I pop over to the Instagram. I see how other people are, are dressing themselves in. Uh, maybe it's the maybe it's the wolf shorts or the lion shorts or maybe it's a pair of joggers or maybe it's the ash gray hoodie that you and I love so much. And I, I base my outfits off of that and it always makes me look dope which is the single most important thing. And it's also comfortable. It's also high quality. Yeah. It's super yeah. stylish. They're conversation starters, honestly. They also have kids uh, kids sizes on here, too. Yes. That and is everything's correct. unisex, uh, yeah. we, we should point out also. So yeah. um, no matter if you're a man or woman, these clothes will look great on you. Or a child. Or a child. They have children's sizes and a lot of their <laughs> stuff as well. Use promo code CANDLESTICK20 today to get 20% off your order, or you can do it tomorrow or whenever. CANDLESTICK20 is a promo code any day of the week to get 20% off your order from sglambchops.com. Shout out to them. We really appreciate their support, and uh, we would appreciate it if you support them by going to sglambchops.com and ordering some dope, comfortable, high-quality clothing. Join the herd today. All right. Demontre Moore in the building. 
uh, nine-year NFL veteran, Giants, Dolphins, Seahawks, Cowboys, Raiders, 49ers, Grey Cup champion. Man, heck of a resume for you. First team All-SEC at Texas A&M. Uh, thank you for, for stopping by, man. This is really great. Well, I appreciate that. appreciate that, man. So I, 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 off the top, like this is a 49ers podcast. We'll, we'll spend plenty of time talking about them, but I, I got to ask you, you spent some time with the Seahawks and Pete Carroll on, uh, we're recording this Thursday, Pete Carroll on Wednesday, uh, or Tuesday, one of those days, mutually parted ways with the Seahawks. He's no longer going to no longer going to be their coach. Uh, what do you, what can you, what do you remember about Pete Carroll? Uh, what type of coach is he? Uh, just give me your thoughts on, on him. Oh uh, man. Uh, what do I think about coach Carroll? First of all, his resume, <laughs> my thoughts don't, don't matter. His resume <laughs> is timeless, it's endless between all the high caliber players that he had coached, um, the winning tradition that he's done, and he brought there, we're talking about 14 years with one organization, like, and to bring that organization multiple Super Bowls, conference championship, like, the list goes on and on. But not, let's take a little, I'm going to take a deep diver, like, a deep dive into, man, see, I'm, I'm <laughs> Thinking about his legacy, it got me speeched up. It choked up where I was stumbling <laughs> over my words. But let's take it away from the the football side of it. I want to talk about Pete Carroll, the man, the man, the myth, the legend. Like he's arguably, in my opinion, the goat. Like especially as far as what I've seen, he's by far one of the best head coaches I've had. He dives into every single player. He truly embodies the the old traditional phrase of where you say you treat the top like you treat the bottom from start to finish. If it's from you know, Earl, uh, Earl, uh, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, Cliff Averill, all the way down to my boy Stan, the head chef in the uh, kitchen over there. Like Pete interacts with everybody. It's all about competition. And he's always smiling, and he he truly brings you. He brings the best interview out of you. Like even when you don't see it. Like I remember he picked me up two separate times in my career to where people labeled me as a hothead or just you know my career was done but the NFL stands for not for long and coaching standpoint and player standpoint, especially from our, and when the ship was supposed to be sailed, that captain turned around and was like, hold on, hey, at ease, sailor, we need this guy on our vessel. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have been able to revive my career and do all those things. And the one thing that he told me when I get here, he said, man, I don't care about you or uh, what you've done in the past. I care about you as the, as the man. And if I can help you be a better man, naturally you're going to be a better player. And when you're a better player, your energy and my energy, we're going to do good to my track. So let's do great things. They hit me with a crazy smile. And I, I tell that story because it's not everybody. If you look these last few days on the internet um, from uh, Tyler Lockley, uh, Cliff Averill, uh, Richard Sherman, um, Red, uh, Red Brown, uh, Shaquem Griffin, like there's a plethora of players that have been sitting out there. Congratulations. Thank you. And the one thing that you see in all these comments are people thanking them for being a man or taking a chance. And that's the one thing that I feel that you're missing in this game is connecting the player, football player, to the human being. And the one thing about him that separates him from other coaches, which there are very few that, that can do that, he brings that in together to where he connects the human being and the player. So now once you're in one and your whole ship is in one, you can go out there and play lights out football. So my hat goes off to him. I know I'm starting to ramble now, but uh, salute to what he's done in his career. And um, I'll leave you with this one quote that I heard from my friend. Um, <clears throat> we were playing a game. He said, there's not too many lifers around here. And he was like, to earn that title, that uh, credential, Bill Belichick uh, is another one. Um, he's one. Like, 
you make saving with him retiring. Uh, you don't just let these guys leave without trying to keep them there in some form and some aspect. He's put his heart, soul in there. And for them to part ways mutually to give him a different title, they said, hey, you built enough in that foundation, but we want to make sure you're still there. So that's a testament to him, especially in the NFL where it stands not for long. Man, it's it's wild because I you know grew up a 49er fan. And the peak of that Niners-Seahawks rivalry, I was like peak sports fandom, right? Like 20, 21, 22 years old. I hated Pete Carroll. I also can't, <laughs> I also can't yeah, stand USC, it. right? So like him going there to Seattle was like, man, I can't stand this guy. But then he, all these stories, the one you just told is unbelievable. And like you said, you go down the list and there's not a single person I've seen who's been like, meh. I don't really like them. Like every exactly. person talks about that personal connection. And honestly, it's hard not to have a soft spot for the guy now. Like I kind of rock with him. I understand. He uh he's kind of like the I would say the Andrew Luck of uh football coaches, if that makes sense. Um when you would tackle Andrew Luck or hit him, he was yeah. that guy that never had anything bad to say, wasn't aggressive. Like you go over there and put a good hit stick on him. Next yeah. thing you know, Andrew Luck is getting up. Hey man. Great job. That was good. I need to get better here. You've how seen that, that. How do you react to that as a defensive player? Is that like you're, you're stumped, especially for me? I'm, I'm a big trash, like I'm an avid trash talker. So for me, it's like, oh, wow. Um, yeah, that was a great hit by me. Thank you for the compliment. <laughs> nice, nice, man. Like, I'm sorry. And it, it stumps you. Like, I don't know if it's reverse psychology thing, but yeah. I was thinking, like, hey, this is chess and not checkers. He's doing this, but. That's genuinely him, and everybody does that. So to get back to my point, Pete Carroll is the same way as far as coaching-wise and this and that. Like you said, you hate him because he wins and he's effective and people talk nice about him. But when you go down and really look at it, you can't find one player, like you said, and say, mm. or eh, it was cool, but I didn't really like it. Like everybody's had that experience. Even if they didn't like the playing time situation and this and that, they still talk about how he related to them as a player. And that was the one thing. He said, I don't want to bring anybody in here. Um, Mo Kelly, who's the player development guy over there, I talked to him and have a great relationship with him. But he tells me, he told me about um, the one thing that Pete said before he got the head coaching job there because he was there for both different areas. Uh, mm -hmm. The head coach previous before Pete Carroll, and then once he got there. And Pete told him when he first came in, I'm going to keep you on staff, but this second go around, I'm going to do it my way. And my way is inc incorporating the player, actually caring about the person. And once I care about the person, I can build a culture here to where my culture can self, be self-sufficient enough to run itself. I don't have to say anything because you got those veteran guys stepping up, um, taking control. And like they said, I, I use it. I'm a, I'm a walking book cliche, but they say the ship only goes as far as your captain. But when your captain is seven, 70 years old uh, or 70 plus out there still running, racing people, competing and doing seven on seven drills, being very active. Is, is contagious, is infectious, and it's going to go over to the plate. And with that being said, yes, he's leading everything, but also he even groomed a lot of people to take that on to where it, he don't have to leave the whole time. Sometimes he can just sit back and you'll hear the vet guy say, all right, let's get ready for competition. So once again, just a, a testament to him and just we as a person. I'm going to shift gears here and, and get over to the 49ers. You mentioned Pete Carroll being one of the rare like NFL lifers. And and like you say that there's just I was trying to think of some as we were going through there and I just there's there's not a lot. So what I want to ask you 49ers related is do you think Kyle Shanahan is one of those guys or will be one of those guys 
And if not, like, or if so, why? And if not, why not? Man, you're going to put that pressure on me. But yeah, if I am well, I'm betting, asking a hard question. <laughs> if I'm a betting man, um, I think Kyle, he has the potential to be a for-lifer, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Since he's got their uh, two-set friend, he's changed the culture around. Obviously, they're one of the powerhouse. You can always expect them to either be Super Bowl contenders or be in the run or at least be in the mix since they've been there. And with his dad being who he is, having the credibility, also not just having the credibility, but innovating the game, bringing your type of style of offense to not only just bringing your style of offense, building another culture there. Um, I tell people all the time, when I left Seattle uh, and – went to San Fran and Sherman was in the locker room. The first thing I said, as soon as I walked through that locker room, dude, it feels like I'm in Seattle. And not saying, hey, this and that, because I know some 49ers fans are going to be like, don't compare us to them. They're the enemy <laughs> and there's a rivalry. But with that rivalry, and most, I'm a big anime fan, so stay with me when I use this analogy. When you go to anime, most rivals are more similar than you think they are, and they push each other to be better. And so with a great rivalry, most of those guys are right there. And with this right now, this great rivalry, they're also very similar. They traded players going back and forth. The 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 competition factor and being able to relate to your player is one of the phenomenal jobs that Kyle uh, Coach Shanahan uh, does extremely well. He cares about the person. He'll tell you in a minute. Like, I don't believe in doing meetings all day and stuff like that. We have a family. I want to get home to them just like y'all want to get home to you. I love my family, just like y'all love y'all family. But y'all right. are family. So with us being family, we're going to be here. We're going to get our work done. But then after that, we're going to leave so we can have a peace of mind. And he builds a great culture and a great working environment. And it's trickled off into the field from his coaches down onto his predecessors. A lot of these guys have went on to be head coaches and stuff like that. You talk about uh, defensive coordinators and moving up from that position uh, thing. And so he kind of – like his dad, who was a four-lifer in Washington, you come through, you build this culture and embody this style to where now it's, it's you. Like when you think about this organization, you can't help but think about Kyle. I might be younger, might be biased in there, but yes, overall, I think when it comes back to it, he's going to be a four-lifer. If he keeps going on the path that he is going right now, especially with the talent that he's brought in there between uh, – You've had guys like Richard Sherman walk through that door, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, uh, Jimmy. I mean, I said Jimmy Garoppolo, but I meant um, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, um, Debo Samuel's, who innovated the game. Like he found these guys, and it's a testament to him, his staff, and everybody that he surrounded himself with. Just like uh, we were talking about Pete over there, he surrounded himself, and Kyle is surrounded himself. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen this year and in the future. You met, uh, you mentioned the culture in San Francisco, and I remember very distinctly hearing that after you left the 49ers, you were still in the defensive line group chat. Is that the case? Yeah, I was. Um, I, I was still in the group chat for a little bit, and we could, we communicated. The one thing Coach Caseric talks about there, mm -hmm. uh, this room is never going to be the same, and we did something special. We didn't get to finish the big dance that year and put the cherry on top, but to make it to the dance, some people don't even see a playoff in their whole career. So for us to go that far, the cohesiveness, the bond that we have, dating all the way back to training camp, to me being released and coming back into the organization later on in the season, it was like we didn't skip a beat. We still were talking to each other. When I was cut and I was a free agent, those guys were still reaching out to me. Shout out to DJ Jones, who's doing his thing over there in the uh, Broncos. He almost broke the defensive line record. 
You had Eric Armstead, uh, who's my guy. We trained all offseason with Sir at Chameleon X in California. You had Ronnie Blair in the room, uh, DeForest Buckner, who we still I still talk to him today. We built the bond of uh, sending each other. Uh, he's a big wrestling fan like George Kittle, but we talk about HBK, Heartbreak Kid. Uh, to have that type of cohesiveness and that bond to where we could still talk. Yeah, once I left out of there, we were still texting in that group chat. Now, granted, because you are talking about stuff that's going on in the organization, they had to start a new, a new one with the new and younger guys in there. But we were still sending each other messages um, a year, two years after we went on that Super Bowl run just to say, hey, how we're doing? Sheldon Day is another guy. Most of like all those guys, yeah, my hat goes off to them building in there. And so when you have that type of bond, that's when it's special and you can look around the arm and lock arms with your brother and say, Hey, we about to go do this because before, before we went on the playoff run, we we literally said like there's something special and you can just feel it in the air. And it wasn't something that was just for a season. You go on, I've been in many locker rooms and sometimes when you leave, people say, Hey, this is it was just a seasonal thing. You might talk to a person one year afterwards, like Still to this day, I can call everybody that was in that group chat, message them, and get a timely response, and we joke like the wheels ain't fell off. Man, that's that's incredible. You mentioned Chris Kasurik in there though, yes, and all you all all you hear about about Chris Kasurik is how intense he is. <laughs> is it really that intense on the football coach scale, or is is he that different? He- Chris is not different on a football scale. Chris is Chris. <laughs> shout out to <laughs> shout out to Coach Chris, man. Full life. If you see this, man, y'all tag him. Full life. He has this thing where he says this D line. Full life. I mean this every day. You could call me at the drop of a dime and say what's up. And when he, literally the energy and the tenacity that I had right there, where he full life. <laughs> yeah. He comes into the room just like that and said, "It's for life." How are you doing, Demontre? You're about to have a kid. You just had your first son. You're going to see it a different way. Nick Bosa, you just got here. I know whatever negative stereotype that they're portraying in the media, I don't care. You get in here, we're here to work, and we're going to do this. You never once heard anything about any outside noise. And he attacked that same energy and passion in that room. If he was your friend, he's your friend. If he's on your butt, he's on your butt. And it transferred over to the field because it's like, man, if he has this type of energy, this type of effort, just coaching and talking to us (laughs) – Imagine how he is on the field. As soon as you get on the field, you've seen the fire of him. Go! Get off the ball! He does this thing where he flicks his hands every time. Like That's how his energy is. He just talks to you like this. I'm there. And when he's there, he's there for you in the football aspect. He's there for you in the man aspect. He's there for you in the uh, person aspect. He tells everybody. He's like, I remember he first walked into the room, and or when I walked into the room and I signed with the 49ers, he was like, dude, I remember when you were projected first-round pick always loved you. The one thing that I love about my players is having energy. He was he was able to recite me everything that I've done, everything that he liked, and everything that he wanted to fix because he had a game plan. And he took that on. He took that to the field and in life. When he told me straight up, this is what you need to do to be a professional. Show up early. Do this. Do that. Like, he has that same energy and tenacity because he cares about you. Because he said at the end of the day, I want you to get paid and I want you to be able to take care of your family and do better than what I did. He's like, it's like that parent when they say, hey, I have the blueprint. I've done this. I've done that. I've been around these guys. Now it's just time for you to listen. Now, if you listen, we can do great things. And he's going to put that same energy and effort out there. Man, it, it feels like it, there's a common thread when you talk when you, when you you talk about these coaches, whether it's Pete Carroll or, or Kyle Shanahan, Chris Kasirk, that idea of like 
like getting to know the man and the person before actually getting to the on-field football stuff. Is that a common thread of the good coaches you've had? It definitely is. It's a, it's a, it's not a common thread of the good coaches. Uh, let me correct you. It's a common thread of the great coaches. Mm-hmm. All three of those coaches that I have named are special in their own way. And they're all legends around here. If it's from what they've done and what they create. But the one thing that is common with all of them, every one of them have been around hall of fame players or future hall of fame players. If we're thinking about Coach Carroll and Chris, they both are actually technically connected because you got the Cliff Averill connection. They've both oh, yeah. been there. You know, you yeah. you think about, like, these guys that we're talking about, future Hall of Famers, present, current, top stars, Nick Bosa, and stuff like that. All these guys have been able to relate to the human. And when they related to the human, that's when you got a guy out there that's going ready to run through a brick wall. There's times that guys, yeah, it's hard. Like you have to have a different type of mindset to go out there and lay it on the line. Yes, you're going to lay it on the line, but you're going to get that little extra. Oh, it's like when you're trying to, you, you know how they say uh, a mother gets a uh, superhero strength when her baby uh, is, yeah. is in danger and stuff like that. You got to channel yeah. that inner power. Well, for them, and it's the equivalent of them channeling the inner power of being able to relate to the man. And when you can channel that inner, inner power, you can't be stopped. And that's the one thing that all those guys have in common that makes them such great coaches. And I get so long-winded about them because not only does their resume speak for themselves because they got the numbers. We all know in this game, if you don't have the number, they don't care. But now what sets them apart and makes them different, that little extra is knowing them afterwards because when you retire on average one or two years afterwards, you rarely talk to anybody afterwards. That's why Chris said made it a point to be like, hey, I want you to remember something from the season. If it's just us going out to eat together and us doing this and that same with coach Carroll, I want you to remember competition Wednesday, same with uh, uh, Kyle Shanahan. You're going to compete. We're going to put this out here. We're going to, we're going to go to each other's butt, but we're going to be able to call each other right after this. And that's the one common thing I've been around. I've been blessed enough to be around good coaches. Those three guys that I mentioned are the, uh, great coaches. Then I've also had some coaches that aren't as good as the other ones and they don't share those qualities. And so the guys that I typically put in that great category, which is in consensus with everybody else, that's the one quality that they have as far as relate to you. Just while, while we're on the subject of different coaches. So this is something I've always, I've always kind of wondered because as a, as a lay person, I can understand when, a team brings in a new offensive coordinator or if a wide receiver goes to a new a new team or if a quarterback goes to a new team i can understand very very easily like my my mind can picture how things could be different for them like in a in a new offense new terminology you know different different scheme whatever it is how is that for a defensive lineman whether you're going to a new team or if a team you're on brings in a new defensive coordinator or a new defensive line coach with maybe a little different philosophy how do things change for you as a defensive lineman because for me as a lay person it's like okay i understand what a what a stunt is but it's like go get the quarterback or you're setting the edge or whatever it is how does how does that change for a, a defensive lineman on a more kind of minute level uh, on a minute level it changes drastically um any Football position, it changes directly. If it's from the kicker, you happen to know the wind trajectory, his angles and the placement of the ball. Um, if it's from a long snapper snapping the ball uh, back there, knowing that he has to get no laces, I have to snap the ball this way to get back there. And with the receivers and the quarterback. So just for me not even playing those positions, I know those things. We break it down on a defensive, defensive lineman level. And what we see, I could be here for 
hours talking about that. I can be talking about us playing in a 3-4 scheme. I can be talking about us playing in a 4-3 scheme and technique. Um, and your 4-3 scheme is going to be, hey, line up, go get the ball, straight head, fast nose, smash mouth football. 3-4 is going to be a little bit more finesse. You can play with your hand up, hand down. You can do drops to the end and out. You see, when I when I start talking, it starts rambling. It starts sounding like gibberish. So when I say, I say all that to say that it can be very intricate, especially mm-hmm. if you're switching from schemes. But anytime that you have a coaching change, it's going to be intricate because one is the NFL. You're at the highest level. It's detailed, detailed, detail-oriented business. You go in there and you might have a 10-hour day and only spend two hours on the field. The other eight hours, you're in the room studying angles, studying trajectory. And then not only doing that, learning the schematics, that's one ball game within itself. You have to learn the coach. You have to learn the person if you want to get there. You don't necessarily have to. You know, the best mm-hmm. is going to play. But sometimes you got to play the game within the game. So you have to learn, does this coach like me talking to him? Does this coach like asking questions? Does this coach just don't like people asking questions and he want people to be visual learners? Like, what is the most effective way that I can be put in the best situation to learn this game and get on the field to put the team in the best situation? So it's constant nerves from schematics, learning the person, and then not only just learning the person, implementing it when you go out there. So and then the biggest, the I guess the icing on the cake would be the last thing um, would be just sitting there. Once you know the coach, know the person, you know the scheme, it's just bonding, if that makes sense. And you have that, that icing would be learning, when I say bonding, learning the chemistry of it, because you got to figure out how everything is going to flow together, because naturally you have that anxiety. Is my boss going to be, um, if you're in a nine to five or working in a corporate world, is my boss going to be this type of guy? Is he going to be a bud? Is he going to be uh, pleasurable to work with? Is this going to be something that I actually enjoy? And now that you have that anxiety, because it's a small league, it's like a fraternity, you call up, hey, man, we got this coach that's coming in. How is he? Uh, I don't know. He's a little rough around the edges. And everybody has their own perspective. So now when you hear the perspective coming in, sometimes, which is basic for humans to do, you're going to come up with your own assumption. This is what I need to be prepared for. This is what I heard. And sometimes it will be true and sometimes it won't be. So you have a lot of anxiety. So just like the quarterback goes in there and spends an hour, the great defense alignment, the Nick, Bo- uh, the Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa's, uh, Cliff Averill's, the technician's, um, that I've been around Justin Tuck, they spend all that time, that extra time in their studying and film and breaking it down. And so it can go as minute as you want to, or it can be very vague. And I've been around those guys that are a see ball, give ball type player. But the guys that last to have longevity in this career and have longevity and not just have longevity because I had longevity, but to have longevity and success, which is very, very rare. It's astronomical and rare for you to be in the league, but for you to have that longevity and success, that's what difference in between those and take that apart. No doubt. Uh, you're obviously a massive football fan. I got to ask you, I know, and I know you're a defensive guy, uh, What? but I feel like I'd be doing a disservice to this podcast if I didn't ask you your thoughts on on 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy. What do you just kind of what do you what do you what do you think of him? The final pick in the draft two years ago, uh, taking a team to the playoffs in his first full year as a starter. Come on now, you're gonna ask me and put me on the questions. Like I said, we're getting the hard stuff going. Let's yeah, get man, it. I got fastballs. <laughs> I we're talking about Brock Purdy, Mister Irrelevant. Uh-huh. I love this guy. I don't care what people are talking about game managers, game changers. I think what was the big hot debate about everybody being a game changer and a game manager. 
there's nothing wrong with being a game manager or a game changer. I'm not going to put that level on him because you can evolve into being a game changer. You can evolve to being a game manager. One thing I will say for him is I think he's the perfect situation for the 49ers. He's athletic enough and he's talented enough to go in there. He's shown time and time again. He has the capability of making the throws, but not only making the throws, making the throws and not being star studded, but he's also showed us in games that he has that capability of being a star uh, caliber player that is throwing in everything, dots on the money, hitting everybody from Jordan, Debo, um, <laughs> you know, Christian McCaffrey, now that he's here, before Christian was, uh, was there, Raheem Morstead, Jet McKinney, like he had all these weapons that when it was time for him to step up and go be a superstar, He's done that in the past when nobody expected him. And then when it's been time for him to just ride the boat and let his stars do what's best around him, that he's done that. And that's what set him apart because he has no problem with saying, hey, this ain't my show. Let George Kittle be who he is. Let yeah. Debo Samuel be who he is. Let C-Mac be who he is. Let Trim Williams be who he is because it all comes about here. And I think he's the perfect selfless person. I think he's smart enough. And I think he's athletic enough. And I think that he doesn't get enough of uh, – enough credit or for what he's done for the game already. Like I said, he's went and won a playoff game when some people haven't. So yeah. get off of his back, let him do what he does and just sit there like T in the great words of uh, Terrell Owen, get your popcorn ready, baby. And enjoy the show because he's been playing lights in and lights out. And he's done what the 49ers need them to do. And he needs to continue to do that. Don't do too much. Don't do too little. Just go in there and just ride this wave. And at the end of the season, you might be holding up a ring and then it'd be like, shoot, I'm a game manager. Look pretty good. Manage to yeah. get this ring. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, you've been super generous with your time. I got a few more uh, just kind of like rapid fire questions for you. Anytime. Um, we'll get it. Who's your defensive player of the year pick for in the NFL? Uh, defensive player of the year pick, I'm going to have to go. It might be a little biased. My boy, Miles Garrett, my fairly Aggie alumni. That, dude, that, that'd some, be my pick too. Exactly. It's just like, ah, you can't. Who, who else would you really just say like that? I mean, you got T.J. Watt that you could throw in the mix. There's some other players, but I'm a defensive yeah. line guy, and like I said, I'd rather give it to my Aggie brother. Plus, he has the credit to back it up. I would have been shocked if you picked anybody else. <laughs> hey, <laughs> totally I feel like if I would have picked anybody else, I lose all credibility. I sound educated when we started breaking down the details, but to go do anything else, it's a disservice. Uh, what about MVP? <laughs> Man, MVP, it's hard for me. I don't like picking MVPs until the end of the year because if I had to say MVP, if I had to say somebody right now currently, I'm going to go with probably Lamar Jackson. Uh, What he's done for that team, consistently doing it, and then they're firing right now. But also my dark horse, who I really think should win it, if they make it all the way to the big dance, hear me out, Joe Flacco. I know he ain't played all year. I know he hasn't played all year, but we're talking about the Cleveland Browns and what they went from being the bottom of the barrel, not having a quarterback situation, to this man getting on at the very end and doing what he's doing. It's like, ah, I put that in the mix. But then, like I said, the safest pick, if I had to pick, I would go Lamar. My dark horse, we're going to go with Joe Flacco. But to bring it all back to it so my 49ers fan love me again, I think the safest pick and the most consistent pick would be my dog, former teammate at the Panthers, C-Mac, yes, sir. I think he's the safest bet. I think for him doing it all year, if we went for, like I said, I only mentioned the Joe, the Joe Flacco thing is because we're talking about production versus play reps, sure. but 
C-Mac's been doing it all year, and he's been consistent. And he's been doing it for a long, a long time in this league. Like, now he's just on a great team, and so he's getting more, more notoriety and the press that he needs. Would definitely love to see a non-quarterback win it. That would be fun. Uh, I would love to see a I would love to see a non-quarterback win it. So that's why I said C Mac. I think he's consistent, but we all know that most of the time the MVP goes to a quarterback. So those would be my two picks at quarterback. Uh, you mentioned the defensive line earlier. Your defensive line teammates with the 49ers that you were still in the group chat. Are you still stay in touch with this and that? Who is I'm your... not in the group chat no more? We don't. It, it, it went away. It went away. <laughs> but, but, uh, <laughs> but when you but when you were you t- you talked about all those guys. Was there a, a teammate you had with the 49ers who stuck out who is not a defensive lineman? I'm not going to ask you your favorite teammate because that's nobody ever <laughs> answers that. But is there a yeah. teammate who kind of sticks out in your mind who is not on the defensive line? Uh, that is not on the defensive line that I would say. I would say it's going to be between three people. Um, okay. And it's hard to say because I feel like I'm a people person. So I talk to everybody on my team and I love them. But my three that I'll have to go with while I was there would be um, and no particular order, obviously. Uh, so these guys don't get mad at me. But uh, Richard Sherman, obviously, uh, we played together uh, in Seattle, so we had that bond. And then on top of that, he's just always been that OG that puts game on you. Uh, we're not talking about football. We're talking about what are you doing off the field on an esports team? Like, how can you better just be a better person, channeling that human factor of what you know? I was referring to Kyle and Pete and what they teach. So I would say Richard Sherman. After Richard Sherman, I'm going to go with my boy, uh, Tevin Coleman, <laughs> the running back, uh, yeah. one of the most down-to-earth guy and unsung heroes of the team. Between him playing running back, special team, and just knowing that grind, me and him bonded off of that. And so we literally kick it. We kicked it every day, and we talk at least once or twice a month. So he's a – I can't cool. speak about him highly enough. And then after Tevin Coleman – who they called us the – it was really the four-headed horseman. You always seen Tevin Coleman, my boy Quan Alexander, me, and Leroy Reynolds. I love my dog. He retired. Uh, he's a nine-year NFL bit, but uh, household name. Uh, he's a journeyman just kind of like I am, great on special teams, but phenomenal player and an even better human being. And so when we would be during the off days after the game, it was always us three, and then whoever – Obviously, Sherm's a big guy. Everybody wants to talk to him and stuff like that. We would see him, but we would talk to him there. But those three guys, I'd probably say next to my defensive line because I hung out with them all the time. But those would be the guys I hung out with. Uh, Speaking of teammates, are there any fun Johnny Manziel stories that you're allowed to tell? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, man. uh, There's plenty of them. What would you like? I'd probably say the the best Johnny Manziel story that I got for you is – I will never forget the day that I just fell in love with him. Just like, this is my brother. Um, uh-huh. You, When you go to, when you think about college quarterbacks, especially high caliber players like himself, traditionally, those have been the guys that come in there, they're married in college, they leave right after practice, they're studying all the time. Like, they talk to their receivers, but they're not truly invested in your defensive player. I will never forget that when Johnny was a rookie, he came up there and after practice, the defensive linemen are in there. We're joking around like we're always doing. We're talking trash to the offensive lineman. And Johnny comes out the shower and he gets dressed and he just sits over there and literally starts shooting the crap with us and just starts joking, roasting with us. And, you know, most of this time, like, people will be dressed. They'll be leaving. They'll go study for right. them. They'll go deal with this and that. Like, he was one of the guys. 
and never changed. And so for me to be sitting here like, hey, Johnny, you better, hey, all right, superstar, you sure you want to be in here with us commenters? Like, we, yeah, we roasted. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> D, I don't know what you talk about. I hold my own. And I'm telling you, he started letting them go. And I was like, my bad, brother. <laughs> you hear with us. And so um, I just say that goes to show you how down the earth he was. He never cared if you were like, I talk about those great coaches and Pete Carroll and Kyle Shanahan, Chris Kassir, about people treating people from the same from the top to the bottom. He treated people from the same from the top to the bottom. Even when he was on his Heisman race, he still stayed in the locker room, roasted with us and joked with us. And so that would be my story that I like to get out there and just talk about how cool he is as a person and being there and being home. You mentioned that you're a big trash talker on the field. Did you have did, one? Did you ever have like a favorite like moment or two? Is there a person that you liked to talk trash with the most? Oh, <laughs> I like to talk trash to anybody. Anybody that knows me <laughs> or been a teammate, they'll be like, "Hey, you put Demontre in the phone booth. I promise you, he's gonna be arguing in ten minutes within his cell." So yeah. for me, um, I think it was kind of that competition factor of where you just. You want to do it? So I didn't discriminate. Uh, the way my trash everybody was, got it. it was rated E. It's like a, like a video game. Anybody and everybody can get it. <laughs> Your discretion is advised. Right. So with that being said, I thought it was rated E. Hey, I'm a, I'm a can man. Everybody can get it. <laughs> now, with that being said, I would say the funniest moment that I had as far as trash talking. Yeah. Ah, man, I'll bring this one out. And it relates to my 49ers. Um, Great. My dog, Trent Williams, I know him. We talked in the offseason. Uh, you know, we cool. I said, what's up? I don't talk to him like that all the time. But I don't know if he remembers this, but I was a rookie. And I remember Justin Tuck, Jason Pierre-Paul, Mathis Kiwanuka, Big Sean Rogers, all in the room talking about, man, y'all don't know about Big Trent Williams. Big Trent Williams will go out there. He'll put these hands on you. Uh, he'll do this. He'll do that. And Cullen Jenkins, who was on the team at the time, he was a big joke jokester and he was like man it's crazy i'll never forget he said this dude is strong athletic one of the best in my opinion in the game and this was this was earlier this or early this like i said my rookie year he said but he has the most high-pitched voice that you've ever heard and i was like hmm? and at this time you know pirates of the caribbean came out and i'll never forget that they had the big uh pirate on there at the end of it when all the pirates are talking about hey we're gonna go to war we're doing this you have the mean guy over here the biggest guy in the room gets up and he says, so we go to war. <laughs> and you're like, I did not see that voice coming from him. I kid you not. They said that. So we fast forward. We get to the game. We're going in there, pass rushing, doing my thing, talking trash like I, like I do. You suck. You can't block me. You can't do this. And Trick has this dark visor on. He looks at me. Hey, rookie. Shut up. You don't know who I am. <laughs> I don't even know who you are. I'm like, <laughs> I'm gonna go over at the detail. I said, dang, he talking to me? What? Why should I put some bass in your voice before you talk to me? <laughs> don't worry about it. I'll get you. And uh, obviously, I'm exaggerating. Trent, if you see this, please don't. <laughs> hey, we boys, bro. I love you, big bar. Hey, stay strong. But anyways, he goes back and he, uh, he, he said, don't worry about it. We'll see you at this rep. So in my head, I'm like, I'm about to fire off and I'm about to give him everything because you know, uh, <laughs> people weren't thinking that I'm soaking. I'm 245, 250 as a rookie soaking wet. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to catch him off guard with speed and power. When I made contact with him, when I tell you, think about those old Kia commercials and you see stuff go like this, I hit him and I said, mm. 
It felt like a cartoon. My body just did this real quick. He hit me with a stonewall. Ah! Like, I promise you, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, he put it on me. And I said, oh! <laughs> and, and my legs went numb, but I had my arms, and I'm still arms locked out, but feet dead. <laughs> and he blessed me God. He said, yeah, keep talking. I said, that ain't hurt. I don't care what you're saying. I run to the sideline, weak legs, noodle legs, and Justin Tuck looks at me and he said, hey, Rook, welcome to the league. That might be a concuss, man. Won't let him talk to me like that, man. And then with his voice, that's what made it worse. <laughs> well, it was my welcome to the league moment. I was like, hey, don't judge a book by his cover. Obviously, he looks the size, but if you heard his voice, you'll be like, hey, I can take it. But after that, it, it's a wrap. Easy. And it's 10 years later, and he's still doing it. 10 years later, still doing it, still being a, a dominant force. So, hey, Trent, it's all love. I know I'm joking with you. You the man, bro. I don't want no problems. <laughs> um, do you remember your first sack? Uh, my first sack, yes, I do. Um, we played the Steelers pre- uh, preseason. It oh, I'm count. sorry. I'm sorry. First regular season sack. Oh, dang. Why you got to do it like that? Um, I believe my first regular season sack was, I believe it was against Tony Romo, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, <laughs> uh, we played, if I'm not mistaken, yes. And I actually have the picture. Uh, it's a little weird. Y'all bear with me. I'm going to mess up my setting right here. Oh, I actually have the, I actually have the picture right there. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Young, young so, you know, you oh, gotta live, awesome. you gotta, you gotta live in that moment. So yeah, I got I don't have that many career sacks, but the ones I got, I got some big names under my belt. You know, Tony Romo, Kaepernick, Mike Vick. Uh, ben you got Kirk Cousins? Uh, I got Kirk Cousins up under there. Uh, I got a sack force fumble against Kirk Cousins. So nice. Yeah, got a few of them. Nice. Um, how, how has it been? So you're a great cup champion in the Canadian Football League. Uh, you're playing for Calgary this year in the CFL. I had somebody explain some of the CFL rules to me one time. I don't, I don't get it. How, how long did it take you to kind of adjust to that when you started playing up there? Still not adjusted. <laughs> I'm still not adjusted, man. I'm, I'm, I'm sweating bullets right now thinking about all the rule of dynamic. Uh, this will be my third year going up there with Calgary Stampede. We're, mm-hmm. you know, going on that great cup run this year, hopefully. God yep. willing, I'll speak that into existence. But yep. um, as far as getting up there, right? This is my third. This was well. This was I just completed my second year. This will be my third year. I just found out that they have a rule to where if you're behind the ball, you get the ball. You can drop the ball on the ground, kick it, and hurry up and recover it. And if you recover it, it's an automatic first down. So a new set of downs. And it actually went viral a couple times this year. Montreal Alouettes did it. Um, I believe twice successfully did it twice um, this year. And one other team attempted to do it. I believe BC Lion, but. That was one of the weirdest rules to me that I just found out about this year. And mind you, that my first year up there, we were playing, and I'll never forget, uh, we were playing Montreal going into the playoffs, and we needed to win to get first uh, the first round by. At the end of the game, we were it was uh, it was tied, and so we were down at the very back end of the end zone. We had a punt. The team got a penalty. I don't remember exactly what penalty it was. But because we were so backed up, uh, the game was over with, and it was an automatic one point. I still don't even know what that rule is. But when I tell you, I was they were like, we won, we won. I'm like, oh, like what, what happened? We got a point? All right, let's go again. 
let's get out of here. I'll learn it later on, but I'm here for it. And so I was like, man, I need to go do some research on some of these rules. Yeah. Like on the kickoff, uh, when you kick the ball out of the end zone on the kickoff, it's automatic one point uh, anytime it falls out of the back of the end zone. So there's some rules that are there that I like and they're convenient <laughs> and they worked out for me. But if I was on the other team, I'd be like, yo, this is BS. Like, I, I'm not going for this. So it's, it, it, what they say, it's a double-headed sword. You can cut yourself or you can cut somebody with it. Either yeah. way, you know, you know how to properly handle it. You can you can maneuver and make things happen. Ah, that's crazy. All right, I got two more for you. Oh, um, I'm going to – there there are two hard ones. Uh, I'll, I'll pick the easier one first, I think. Who's going to win the Super Bowl? Man, that, that is, that's, that's, that's a doozy right there because right. who will win the Super Bowl? You would have to say who's going to be in there. And if I am a better man, which I'm not, I got, I got, realistically, I got the Browns versus the 49ers in that. The Browns. Uh, I got the Brownies, man. I got them coming through. Wow. Uh, that's, you have three division opponents over there, the Steelers, Ravens. And that's I think. Point. I'm a I'm a I'm a firm believer in a hundred dog hunts best. They've been starving the longest. They out of all those teams, they actually have a quarterback that's actually been there to the game, won the game, like yeah. <laughs> been the MVP. So he has the experience, which I think experience is what separates us between talent, scheme, and all that stuff. Experience is gonna give you that extra notch. So mm-hmm. that's why I think that they're gonna make it out of there. And then obviously the golden goose would be the 49ers making it out of that side. Between them, like I said, experience is the best teacher. They've been doing this week or year in and year out, making these runs, either being in the big dance or getting right there close to the big dance. So I see them coming out there. And when it comes down to it, I got the 49ers winning it all and finally hoisting that uh hoisting that crown, doing something that we didn't do, and finally sealing the deal and getting that ring. And so that's who I'm gonna go with if I had to predict how everything would play out. That's a great job. You're getting in, you're doing media, you're knowing your audience. That's very, very good work. (laughs) I mean it though. I mean it though. I promise you. Y'all might hear something else, but if I had to, if I, if I was going to Vegas and I said, yo, my money's on this and these are my horses. Yeah. These are the two that's going in there. You might hear some other analogies, but I promise y'all faithful, 49 faithful. I mean this. Don't be in my DMs. Don't be in my emails. (laughs) I made one bad comment on Eric Armstead. Um, uh, social media, Instagram post about Whataburger versus In and Out. When I tell oh, you, all boy. 49ers fan ripped me and still ripping me to this oh, day. No. I don't need y'all ripping me. <laughs> if oh. y'all hear anything else, it'll be like, hey, that was BS. We didn't hear that on the podcast. So I, I mean, I, with the burger wars, I've just gotten to the point. I'm like, I love a burger, man. Just give I, me a burger. I'm in. I do, but I'm going to stand on business. Whataburger is better than In and Out. If y'all have Eric Armstead on here, you can ask him. I said it. I don't care. Whataburger over In and Out. Everybody this interview, hear me. This, this interview's over. We're done. I respect uh, that uh, that you're standing on business. Um, yes, sir. That's, I think that's the first time I've ever said that. Uh, oh, you used it correctly, too. <laughs> yeah, Smooth, come on. Like butter. Come on. Here we go. Uh, all right. Last one. And this may be tough. If you want to give me a couple, that's fine. My wife is into anime. I am not. If you were giving me one anime to watch, to like mm. get into it, which one should I watch? If you're getting into anime, uh, I'm going to be biased. And I think the 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 best answer would be it's two. I'm going to go with two. Go with Dragon Ball Z first. 
Okay. I'm a big avid Dragon Ball Z fan. Uh, okay. Just the storyline. One, all anime is the premise is typically the same. You got your protagonist that goes through, but they have these life lessons of not quitting and stuff like that. But I think that's relatable to the dub version. Obviously, you don't have to go over there and do that. And then another one I would say is Naruto. I think those are the two most popular, mm. most notarized um, animes that are out there. And obviously, you knew I was going to say that Dragon Ball Z inspired picture, Naruto yep. in his final form over here. So, <laughs> hey, Dragon Ball Z again. So, like I said, if you didn't All know about it. BBC. Get on right. it. It's easy. I promise you. I was in I, I was into it a little bit with my brother as a kid, but yeah. I, I didn't I didn't uh I didn't keep up with it. Um hey, so I might said, I might have to dive back in now. What Drake said, uh better late than never, but never late yeah. is better. You might be late, but better late than never. You can go get on it right now. And they got a new spin-off, Dragon Ball Super and Dogma is dropping this year. So all anime fans out there, the wait is over. DBZ Dogma is coming back at the top of the year. We are lit, baby. <laughs> Uh, Demandre, this has been excellent. I, I really, really appreciate it. And I know my co-host, Chris, who's uh, out doing some work uh, covering the NBA. Uh, I know he appreciates it, too. Thank you so much, and uh, let's do it again soon. Uh, thanks, and Thanks, man.